Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Hello and welcome everyone, fans and fiends of the pod, to another episode of Cult and Classic. Very excited for this one. Uh, this week we have a fan film throwdown with two uh, somewhat well-known fan films from uh, 2009 and 2010, respectively. Uh, we have The Hero of Time, which is a uh, adaptation of The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, originally released for uh, the Nintendo 64. And then we have Mega Man, uh, roughly based on the first uh, and first few Mega Man games, which came out in 2010. Uh, that cough and, and hacking that you heard is our good, good friend, Jeff Tucker. How are you doing, Jeff? What's up? Here again, and uh, I don't have anything else to say. Ah, I'm sure that will change. And uh, as a special guest today, we have a fellow uh, video game critic. Uh, I, I review games for KeenGamer.com, and Greg uh, Johnson is here. Where did you review games for, Greg? I forget. Um, I used to do on uh, Gaming Illustrated. Oh, yeah, the, the one that actually has a name that people remember. And now I just uh, scream out my window at people about games I hate, so. <laughs> awesome. Well, this is this is exactly what we do, scream into the evil here. Um, so, first off, we're going to start with the Hero of Time. Now, I'm going to give, if people have played the game, uh, it's been released many times on many platforms at this point, I think every platform except Nintendo Switch uh, to current that Nintendo has put out has, has now had this ported. Um, it's, it's a very well-known Zelda game. It's the first one that moved to 3D from 2D sprites. If that means nothing to you, it doesn't matter, uh, except for the fact that you'll probably be hella lost during this fan film. Um, but I'm going to try and give you a real, real succinct breakdown of the summary. In a fantasy world where there are people and other types of fairy folk uh, a orphaned elf character finds out that he is one of three chosen ones that make up the Triforce, which is a mystical power that was created by the gods to stop the ultimate evil from taking over the world. Uh, there is some time travel in here. He basically, we'll get to this, but it doesn't make a lot of sense in the film. Uh, and I think this, this film is well known among fan films for being the first, uh, sort of very lots of effort, let's put. They put a lot of effort into making this a feature-length fan film that followed the plot of uh, Legend of Zelda Hero of Time. Like most fan films of its ilk that, that reach for the stars, so to speak, uh, Nintendo put cease and desists out and stopped it. Originally it was uh, Legend of Zelda, the Hero of Time. Now you'll, sign, you'll see on IMDb and posters, it is just 
the hero of time. This is only one of what became many feature length films uh, about Legend of Zelda, many original stories. I will hazard I will hazard this, most are too long for the average viewer. This one clocks in about an hour and 44 minutes or so. Um, a lot of the other fan films that have come out since then and tried to one-up it uh, with original stories have clocked in at like two and a half hours uh, each. And I have not watched those. I cannot comment on their, clair on their uh, quality, but I can comment that that is a hell of a long time put up with certain fan film conventions. Um, but let's get into this. Greg. I know you're familiar with the game. Uh, what was your what was your expectation going into this? Um, pretty low, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I will say um, I'm glad I watched this one second. I thought it was much better. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, uh, we we may have some competing views, but I think that there's some solid reasons for what you say. Jeff, what was your expectation going in? Uh, man, I thought it was going to be like, you know, Shark Exorcist, like <laughs> hot mess, you know, I, I was actually impressed by the production value, the, you know, you, you said they put a lot of effort in it. It was very clear. There's a lot of passion, like there's a lot yes. of love, uh, you know, the, the costumes across both films were very good, um, which kind of makes sense. Like if you go to a convention, the, the costumes are usually exceptional, um, like almost like absurdly. Uh, elaborate and um, accurate. Um, yeah, we'll even say some Blizzard of the effects Con, were quite good. But um, yeah, and I think Blizzard Con is kind of like people forget that the cosplay at like Blizzard Con for World of Warcraft and things like that it kind of puts Comic Con cosplay to shame for the most part. Like it really does. They, they really do take it to the next level. Um, and I, I will say this: I found the costuming and the production across the board, certain things worked really well. I actually thought a lot of the green screen work that they did, and I would say most of this film is green screen at some point. Yeah. Um, they set up shots kind of well, and, and both of these films, because they're fan films, the quality on these transfers is bootleg at best. It's usually not that great. Um, and this one, this one actually is enhanced by sort of the blur of, of the... Mm -hmm degraded quality of the film because it, it it takes away a lot of the delineation where we'd be like wow he is floating in space over a still image of a building found um and it actually works okay and the costumes link's costume is pretty good um they're very iconic i would say though that they're pretty uneven like i think sheik's costume oh my god it was so bad, it was <laughs> real bad. You brought man she looked like the bearded zelda lady <laughs> yes both. so so zelda so anyone who's familiar zelda is the princess of the game even though the, the title is after her she's not usually the main character the main character is always an elf named link uh who is a different you know uh, a different iteration of the character in most games um and zelda is the princess that he rescues now in in the game this is based on um, Zelda sort of becomes less of a, a captured princess and actually kind of a fighter. Uh, and there's a time jump. Um, so, so, so Link has to get the Master Sword, which is a sword that has the power of these muses, to defeat Ganon, who is the bad guy. And this is something that does not make sense to me, and in the game is also questionable. Ganon is in, Ganon kills the king, and I just want to say that is the greatest, most amazing use of a illustration of a king as an actual actor in that scene. When Ganon, they see Ganon over the dead body of the king, the king is a Photoshopped still image of not even a real person. It's an illustration of a king 
that they moved 90 degrees to his side and have the actor who plays Ganon leaning over it as though he's killed it. And it almost, it almost works. I mean, I'm not going to say it doesn't work, but I'm going to say that it is funny to see an illustration of a person next to an actual person on the screen. I, I don't know why somebody in the film, because they reuse actors in this, which is totally understandable. I don't know why they didn't just have someone stand, you know, lay there with a crown or, or something. Um, they could have gotten a little more creative with that. Although a fake person that is just a 2D image is pretty creative. So, well, I was going to say they, I mean, they put all their budget into Ganon's <laughs> costume. So Ganon's there was costume. no room for an actor. For the and, and I will say this, Ganon actually, both the costume and the actor, I actually think did a great job. Um, I think Adam Boyer is the uh, is the actor for Gannon. He's got a great voice uh, for this, and he has been in a lot of acting. He's he's been in a lot of bit parts since then. He is one of the people in this fan film who is currently an active actor. He plays Bobby in Ozark, the series started in 2017. He had a bit part in a Stranger Things season. Uh, he's he's been in he's been in some some stuff, uh, and and so. He knows his chops. And let's just real quick listen to him. This is Gannon, uh, played by Adam Boyer, talking to um, his his minion. I forget who his minion's name is. I think we all did. Yeah, it, and we'll, we'll talk about the minion in a minute. He didn't do a bad job acting-wise. No. Like everyone's friend that they know from maybe like the mall record store or, or CD store, who like, you know he listens to metal and you know he's a little bit too old to probably wear the t-shirts from Hot Topic circa 1990 that he's wearing. Um, but you kind of, you hang around with him anyway because he seems kind of cool, but you just don't want to meet him that that much. Like you're not going to go to his house. Um, here we go. 17 years to Mars. 17 years since we've shown our faces and the faces of our people in this kingdom. Hylians foolishly welcome us as dignified guests. This land will soon be subject to my every lust. Yes, Lord Ganondorf. Perhaps they took kindly to our proposition of trade. Yeah, so so that's Ganon, and he has a very imposing voice and demeanor, and it works, and his costuming and makeup is pretty solid. I enjoyed it. Um, if you look like Ganon. Yeah, exactly. If you remember um, back to, if you knew uh, when this film was being made, because I think they released the first trailer in like 2006, somewhere around there. Um, and then they didn't release the full film until 2009 because they were working on it. Because there's a lot of post-production in this, as well as, as, you know, not having a huge budget, I'm going to assume. Uh, and if you saw the screenshots, they often use him for the screenshots because he fits so well. Well, here, I, I was curious if you guys know this. It seems like they got very confused on Ganon and Ganondorf and using yes. them interchangeably because Ganondorf yes. is the man, right? And Ganon's like the pig. Yeah. So in the games, usually Ganondorf is the villain and then he gets the power and he becomes sort of corrupted. Uh, he's already a little corrupted, I guess, but at the end, he's his second form, right? You defeat Ganondorf and then you fight Ganon, who is the giant pig monster. Um, and I was super disappointed that we did not get the giant pig monster yeah. much. We kind of get like, he, he, he sprouts wings in a weird 3D black effect and then like teleports to a new location so he and Link can duke it out outside. Um, I was real disappointed in that because that was always my favorite part uh, of, the, of the games was seeing that 
transformation. I'm kind of glad they didn't after like the like the mountain like lava beast thing. You know oh, what? Oh yeah. So so there were a couple of 3D monsters that were real questionable um, that were from the game. I actually didn't mind that because I kind of I'm like, oh, good for them for trying, right? Like the this, the octopus monster. I forget the name of the monster in the game was way better. Um, I, there's actually this the one my favorite scene is the sort of humorous scene where Link is running from this octopus monster that's risen out of a lake and it's like trotting on land after him on its octopus. It's it's funny and and Sheik uh, Zelda's alter ego is running after it. Um, that gets to my biggest. There's a couple complaints I have with this. Um, again, I totally agree that the scope they tried to reach for a fan film. Um, really broke new heights and let people know, hey, you can do a fan film um, and it can be a feature length, uh, but there are some huge problems for me. One, like the pacing. The pacing is brutal. It's an hour and 43 minutes and it feels like a three hour mm -hmm. slog. Um, part of it is because half the film is the setup. We don't get into any action until like 40 minutes in. And when we do, when we get a little fight scene with the soldiers once Gannis taken over, the choreography is pretty good. I totally was into it. Um, and I'm like, why did we not have a fight scene? Why did we have the script writer run around cosplayed as Zelda, excuse me, as Link, like just grimacing to the camera with no dialogue for 40 minutes? Um, that blew my mind. And, and the, the actor is David Blaine. Um, he, has, uh, he hasn't done anything on IMDb since, although I'm sure he's done other things. Uh, he did the story and he was one of the writers on the script and he plays Link um, with a real bad wig. We'll forget really it. bad accent too. Real, I don't know what the deal was. Like everyone is like, it's like they took a map and they said, here's Scotland. I want every single person to pick a part of Scotland, Google it, and then talk like that. Um, you know, that, that intro, I was like, okay, like, this is really good. I'm digging it. The yeah. music's nice, good lighting. It looks really cool. When's the movie going to get shitty? And then as soon as they open their mouths, I was like, <laughs> oh, here we go. All yeah, right. Well, I think that's a, that's a common thing with these types. Just, like, filming dialogue is hard. It's not just filming. The writing of the dialogue was pretty rough, too. Yeah. Let's listen to this. This is in, in the beginning, because it actually opens with a little animated, like, still motion sort of... Um, what do they call it, uh, uh, sort of motion effect stills and, a, and an overarching narrative uh, narration. It was okay. Um, it was, I, was, I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was it the best like, part of the film. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's rough, but it's true. It's true. And it feel, it's yeah. something I would see in a direct-to-video release, and I would be like, cool, all right, well, let's go. Let's do some, let's do some elves killing people and whatever. Um, and then we get to actually Link wandering around the forest talking to his mom, who is, I assume, David Blaine's girlfriend at the time, because there's a weird chemistry between them that does not feel like mother-son, and they're also extremely the same age. Very weird. Did not, I know that, you know, with a fan film especially, you get the actors you can, and I know that they're supposed to be like forest folks, so they age very differently, but it, it didn't feel right. At one point, Link, when they part, like Link goes to his quest, he puts his hand behind her neck and pulls her close. I'm like, that is not something a son does to his mom and help him. <laughs> like, well, it is I mean, she was a love interest in the game that they were obviously trying to loosely base this off of. 
So to change that to his mom, and you know what? You know what would have fixed it all? Just give all the kokiri, give them elf ears. Like just make it clear that they're other beings. I know, and that is a very easy effect, right? I, I don't. I mean, really, yes, you have to get elf ears, but I mean, I don't know. I can tell you, I've done it. I've gone. I've I have dressed as an elf. I've done it. Okay, I, there's my confession. Um, but the dialogue and the pacing and the there is a lot of silence watching, mugging, talking in generic sentences. Let's listen to this. This is when, um, before he goes on his quest, some random dude runs up to him and is like, hey, you gotta go talk to this magic tree because he's gonna give you your destiny, bitch. This is what happens here. Uh, please, I'm looking for Link of the Kokiri. The great Deku tree is asking an audience with Master Link of the Kokiri children. Are you? Are, yes, I am. I mean you no trouble. The great Deku tree is in his final hour. He speaks of your dreams, dangers of a princess. He said you'd know what he's talking about. The Lord of our Wind wants to consult me about my nightmares? No. The Deku Tree's final dying request is to talk to you about the fate of Hyrule. So, Splitting hairs there with, uh, oh, is it about my dreams? No, it's about the fate of Hyrule, which directly relates to your dreams, but... <laughs> and also, now, I, I'm hazy on the game. I haven't played the game in like 20 years. Um, I, I don't remember... There's, there's a lot of things they put in that I assume are part of the game, kind of, that are really not important. And it really drags it down because in the game, you are playing as the character. I am running around their town, climbing their tree. I will visit their tree 30 goddamn thousand times before I leave that village. I do not need to see actors visit the tree 30 times before they leave the village. Um, there's no purpose for it. And there's a lot of that in this where I feel like if I had just played the game and were fanboying out at a convention um, where this premiered and, and several times, I might've been like, oh, look, it's this part. Oh, look, it's this part. But then actually going back and watching it, they didn't add any elements to the parts of the story that make it entertaining to watch. Like he goes into the Lost Forest, which is a famous Zelda location in many of the games where you get lost. It's a puzzle basically. Um, and it's really annoying and they're heavily partially randomized at least, very annoying but it's a famous part, like that's cool, let's see it. You literally, there is nothing that is, happens. He, he runs straight through it. And I'm like, yeah, that's what we all wish would happen in the game, but that wasn't in the game and there's no reason to spend 15 minutes on the Lost Forest. Well, also yeah. like they, they didn't even use as an excuse for like a quick joke of like, you know, you, they, they used instrumentals from the game and they had some really good remixes. The sound was great, the music was fun. And you have mm -hmm. the Lost Wood with this iconic song to it, and I, I don't think they used it. They could have, no. you know, had him kind of, you know, Scooby Doo effect, like he runs off the right side of the screen, comes back on the left, and they just kind of were like, and we're in the Lost Woods. And that's something else. And you've mentioned the music a couple times. The music is like um, contemporary sort of re, not remixes, but rewritings or expansions on the soundtrack by uh, a pianist named George R. Powell. Very excellent penis. I love this work. It is the best part of the movie, hands down to me, would be the soundtrack. Um, it's, it's, it's great. And I think this is the only feature that he did music for. Um, but yeah, it, it's, there's no humor in this film. 
it takes itself seriously, which is really to its detriment because humor can sort of alleviate some of the tension that's made mm-hmm. trying to make a really high quality product with very minimal budget. Um, and they could have given us like, for, there, there were Easter eggs, but none of them were fun. Um, like there's lots of little bits of things that are from the games. And I found myself, it was almost like checking them off and I wasn't really enjoying them per se. Um, I did like the, uh, the merchant who had that okay. kind of, that, that uh, was, yeah, that was neat. Hyper, yeah, that, he's like, he's like, Hey, hey, here's this thing. Here's this thing. I got this thing. Let's do this thing. You want this? Oh, do you want this? Uh, yeah. He's super entertaining. And if anybody has watched, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have, you've watched the film Birdemic by James Nian, uh, considered one of the worst films of all time fantastic watch it watch it with riff tracks mike nelson bill corbett and kevin murphy do a great job with it it's an absolutely wonderful thing to watch there is a scene in there where they took a guy who looks like um like a police rendition of a pedophile come to life and i'm not saying he's a pedophile i'm just saying that he's a very odd looking gentleman he sounds awesome he's a great presenter but he does like nature talks i assume and in this in birdemic they go to the forest and then he just shows up walking along a 2D plane in front of a green screen forest and gives a talk about the importance of, you know, protecting nature as though he were talking to kids at like a zoo, you know, hourly show. And then his out is, um, oh, I think I hear a mountain lion, I gotta go. And he leads off stage. That was the merchant in this. He's just this insane character that just adds so much life to this really dull, dull, at the, mo- at the time scene, and then he's gone, and we never see him again. And I'm like, if you just had really entertaining, energetic people ad-lib, and I know Tad Mastriani, who we usually have on this, loves ad-lib. I hate it. I'm a comedian who hates ad-lib because most people can't do it, but I would pay money to have had five or six more characters like The Merchant just ad-libbing the shit out of this movie because um, it really did stand out as someone who was having fun with it. And I think a lot of the people didn't feel like they were having fun with it. If that I, um, have, have you, are you guys familiar with like Wands of Gamelon and like the CDI Zeldas? Yes, yes. That's, that's what I kind of thought this character was supposed to be reminiscent of. Like, oh. that, like that kind of big bald one who kind of like comes in really close to the camera in the game. And like, <laughs> I hadn't thought like, of oh, that. like bombs, friend? Like you're, they're yours. <laughs> like... And this, and, and, and this is a deep dive for video game folks. The CDI was um, a, a Philips Magnavox and it, some other companies. I think Panasonic even made one too, right? There, there were a couple different manufacturers that made them. But they were CD media-based games. They were also supposed to play like educational discs and movies on CD, things like that. Um, and they were very short-lived and very expensive. And it's one of the only times Nintendo had ever licensed any of their things out for other consoles they licensed zelda for two games and they are insane if you go go to youtube and just watch a playthrough because the animation they're all animated um is straight up looney tunes it is weird and i love it and that that makes sense i hadn't made that connection but it makes sense um so this one of my other problems um and you said the sound was excellent the sound effects were excellent in the music but this is something that is is like the number one problem and i've mentioned this on this podcast and everyone who watches lots of bad movies knows this or 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 cheap movies or whatever the case is sound should be your number one priority over picture because if you can't hear what people are saying or if you just one person doesn't sound right because they're too far away and you're filming on with a microphone on the camera as this movie i assume was you need to do additional dialogue replacement you need to do adr to get crisp sound 
because nothing makes a film feel cheaper than bad sound and bad audio. And there are times, like in that clip we played, I barely could hear Link. The other character was closer to the camera. I could hear what he was saying. You know, I could hear sass back, but I couldn't hear Link. Um, I didn't miss much, but I really wanted to be able to hear it throughout. Uh, but it, it instantly takes you out. Like the like yeah. like you said, like the, just the different volumes, it sounds <laughs> awkward to you. Like yeah. you have the expectation, mostly from watching film, that everybody's volume is kind of similar, right? Like they're all on the same mm. level. And so as soon as you get that variation, it's like, oh, something's off. It's like watching a scene and you don't hear the footsteps. It's you immediately are like, oh, something, something's going on here. And you're taken right out. And now you're watching a fan film rather than like, you know, a film film. You it know? takes you from, yeah, it takes you from sci-fi channel original to at, at lowest to then high school project. Yeah. Um, and, and this did feel in many ways like a high school project, a, a very impressive one, but still a high school project. They, they also, the visuals, they did a lot of interesting stuff where they clearly, I think they took pre-rendered designs from the game and sort of put them into backgrounds, like in like his village treehouse kind of thing. And I thought that worked well. Um, I don't know how much of them were original images and how much were things taken from the game. I mean, I assume most of them were original or fan creations of some kind because the game was very low resolution. Yeah, I mean, most of it looked like it was, you know, their interpretations or, you know, I'm sure some free source image of a castle yeah. or... Yes, there were a lot of, there were a lot of um, establishing shots of definitely Google image search um, pictures. And I didn't, I didn't mind that, frankly. Um, it, it, was, I thought it was... I thought it was pretty smart. You know, they used what they, you know, they, they did like that establishing shot and then they did like... A sh like a close-up shot of their library or whatever, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, things like like they could have done a little bit more. I think when you when you're already putting so much effort in, it sort of shows other things where you don't put as much effort in. Like they're clearly in front of a church, a Christian church. It's like give us our daily bread is in giant, you know, leaf mm. on the wall. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you could have. There's still shots. You could have just done something over that or cropped that out. Um, but again, I don't know. Like I think this was. I agree. In Atlanta, um, and I think that they got a good range of locations. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely had ups and downs. Like you'd have, like um, when they first show you kind of the the town square outside of the castle. You know, they do a lot of close up shots. They kind of make it with the sound and the camera feel a lot more alive and vibrant. More people are there than actually are. Mm -hmm. I, I actually like that scene. In in having you know played the game, it actually felt a little bit like yeah that 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 point in the game um and that, and that i think would be my major criticism um is they didn't do this enough like they didn't make you they, they one thing they didn't make you know that great of a film but really the thing they didn't do is they didn't make me feel like i was playing the game you know they didn't make me feel that nostalgic um except for that one scene like they really made me feel like the same like feelings that you have in that it's like mm -hmm. you're, you're sneaking around trying to dodge the guards you're like just watching the guards pat you know you're like they're just patrolling and it's like such an awkward thing to watch i hated that you part played the game it you get the same feeling from it though i so, that that one guard that that um harass link at the end of that whole thing was yeah. it just me or did he look like um uh anthony stewart head he does yeah he does he's um he's a, I, I forget his i'm looking to see because he's actually a named character in it, which is frustrating because 
no one, unless you're a hardcore fanboy, of which there are many, um, sort of remembers what their names are. So I can't pull his name out, but he is an actor. He's been in some other stuff, I believe. Not big things, if memory serves. But okay. my, my, I guess my criticism is, Jeff, you're right. And I think that plays to fan service. But as a film, I think the bulk of it is a failure in the storytelling. Because sure. there are- I mean, but you can go two ways though, right? You can either go the way I went, which is like, make it, you, you invoke something for the fans of mm-hmm. the game, right? Or right. you make a really great film. I think that they weren't anywhere close to the second one. So Fair. I think that they should have gone for the first one, right? Because yeah. really at the end of the day, like, who are you making this for? Like, and I, right. this is for the both of these films. It was like, what's the point? Like, there's already this game that is this right. masterpiece, like a true masterpiece in storytelling. Like one of the best, you know, versions. I'm gonna, of... I'm gonna argue with this because. I'm sorry, I, well, we can fight okay. about this. We'll get there. We'll get there. So, but so at least I think it's a masterpiece, and clearly they thought it was a masterpiece. So why just redo it in this kind of worse medium, like a medium that yeah. doesn't fit Fair. in as well? Which I think is where um, humor would have been awesome. Like, yeah, like, I was they, gonna say, yeah made fun of it itself a little bit like or even just i mean they could make fun of anything they could just have clip yeah. fighting i know it's easier said than done it's very difficult but i feel like with this much effort just getting the script done is not enough um and i think that the reason i say storytelling is a problem is the visual component of the game was so important to the storytelling because when you actually look at the plot as we do by having it in this medium it's stupid and here's why. <laughs> because he's told by the Deco Tree that he is the chosen one who has to do this. And then he has to go get the Master Sword. Getting the Master Sword is what triggers the time change that then jumps ahead Terminator 2 style into the future where Ganon has already ruled. Are you telling me there was no way for this to be prevented? Like, he had to just let the world go to shit by doing this thing? Like, he actively did that thing? I mean, that, that seems insanity to me. Um, and it's just, it's an arbitrary decision. It's a hand of God moment. Well, it's, I think it's, it's actually a game design thing. It's, it's a sure, world but it reuse. Works. Exactly, but it works in the game. It does not work as a story sure. element because it's not a good story element. Which is weird because I, right, thought it was, it, oh, um, I thought it was interesting that they actually had that kind of establishing shot of Link pulling out the sword and then Ganondorf mm-hmm. behind him, like, haha, like, like it was all part of my plan. Like now I consume the evil. And like, that's, that's not in the game. You just kind <laughs> yeah. of jump ahead and they tell you like, Oh, by the way, um, you unleashed all evil. Now you have to go kill it. Like, wait. And they do. Yeah. And they, and they, and I agree. They should have at that point gone full force with that, but they sort of miss out because I mean, normally I'm like, I don't like exposition. Most people don't, okay? But exposition is necessary, and that's why you find ways to work it in that, that aren't obtrusive. Um, and in this case, we get zero exposition, except when we don't need it. Um, like uh, the Guardian uh, and the Mountain, um, who is also another good actor, I thought, who is, happens to be the director, Joel Mush, I believe. Um, oh, yeah, the Sage of Time. Yeah. This, no, not the Sage of Time. The... the um, the guy who I thought it was the one that looked like the ghost of Christmas future when he came out and he's like, Oh Link, and you're like No, and he was the and that was good because that finally gave some clarity to at least what the hell he was supposed to do, right? Go free to yeah. so you can restore the sword. I'm talking about the guy on the rocks. Oh, oh. um Darunia. He who's supposed to be a Goron. Darunia. Oh yes. And that was that was not the director. That was uh uh Tone Yun. 
And I thought he was good. He um, was great. But, and, and he did his part well. And it's sort of like, there are these weird moments where they have scenes that are cohesive, coherent, and then they just go off the rails to show you a bunch of stuff to get to the next coherent scene. And that's one of those. Like, I don't understand any of why he did anything between like each boss battle effectively. Um, and, and also we finally get to some action and then the movie likes to skip over the parts that are the most, would be the most entertaining. And I know why, because it's harder to do those moments, big moments with big battles, they're difficult to do. And so what happens is, is we get in an hour and 43 minute movie, we get over an hour worth of bad dialogue and delivery I'm just saying it's not it's not trying to be offensive. This is a fan film. These are a lot of these are not, you know, career actors. But then we get like 30 minutes crammed together of the stuff we actually want, which are the battle scenes, the the fight scenes, even the normal like just I'm a guy, you're a guy, we're fighting scenes. Um, I wrote that down as the uh the boss rush mode where they remembered that there was a plot that they had to quickly <laughs> exactly. jump uh, boss exactly. montage. Yeah. Yes, and and then we and then and it just like the last 20 minutes are where all the action is. Um, and they reused a lot of things way too much. Um, for instance, and I understand the impetus, it's that hedonistic desire, like, look what we did. And it is impressive, but we saw it. I'd rather, I'd rather remember it fondly than remind me again. Um, and they do that with the, uh, the temple like 10 times. I swear to God, it, it's not 10, but it feels like 10. I'm like, yes, I remember this 3D rendering of the inside of a temple. And now I'm back in it again um, with no dialogue and just Link as a character. I don't want that. Um, and we get the, a lot of that. Like, I would like to see a fan cut of this fan film that's like 20 minutes long. And it would probably be pretty fun. Um, but I, that, I know that you said, like, you thought the movie should be more fun. And Jeff, you talked about that a little bit. I think that that's the, the heart of the problem with this movie, that they obviously played Ocarina of Time and saw it as this like Epic. this dystopian like Game of Thrones yeah. When what? it's when it's it's about it's about it's town not. center. It's about like laughter and like kind of the hope yeah. and the joy. Throwing chickens. They have the chicken Easter eggs all the time, yet yeah. I mean like it there's it's joyless. Yeah. Yeah. Well I mean so like I, I think that these just games in general, uh the way that they unfold right like you're part of the action and you're actually going and doing things you're like exploring a world mm -hmm. um, and so you're part of the story like it you're not you're not like reading mm -hmm. or watching a story you're like part of the story so uh different things are enjoyable in in that absolutely than in a movie format and this is where i think almost all video game movies fail is uh, if you make it true to the game, the story was built on this establishment that you're walking through this story, right? And mm -hmm. you can, the pacing can be very slow because, you know, in between all of the story elements, you're going and like, you know, hitting some, you know, some rats or then some bigger rats and then some, you know, <laughs> monsters and then a big giant, you know, you're progressing through the game yeah. and like progressing through uh, uh you know, essentially the story itself. And even a lot of games out. fail at that engagement. But when you have the yeah. engagement, you can cover all manner of sins. You know, everyone who's played video games regularly has played games where they play because the gameplay is fun, even though the yeah. story is garbage or non-existent and vice versa. Um, it's almost harder when the gameplay is bad because you have to slog through it. And it's sort of like the reverse problem is happening here. We're slogging through the visual part 
and we're not getting the engagement that we need. And if it sounds like I'm ragging on the hero of time, it's because I am ragging on the hero of time. <laughs> a lot of stuff is not well done, but I really appreciate the effort. And it's sort of like one of those things where you're sort of double damned because you tried hard. I, I'm engaged. I'm like, I want to be engaged so bad because I'm seeing things that I really like and the failure to do it makes me more mad than if I just had, you know, just had watched a bad movie. Um, I mean, like the way I see it, like I would love to hang out with these people. I want, you know, I think we would have a great time. I, you know, I love their passion that they put into this, but you know, when it comes down to it, uh, all I want to do is I just want to go play the game. Like I, don't, I'm gonna, I didn't need. I'm going to take a stand on that too. David Blaine, why are you writing a script where inherently every woman in the game just wants to bone you? Like, every single, like your you're the lead, you're the lead. And you're like, every single woman I meet wants to have sex with this guy who acts like a four-year-old child. Like it just, it just. Well, I mean, that, that's awkward of time in a nutshell is like, Oh, like Link, do you want the blonde one? Do you want the brunette? Do you want the fish lady? What are, what are you looking for? You're in the fairies today. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's it's real weird. Like even the even the um, you know, princess's mom. She's not. Is she the queen? She is the queen. No, the or, she's the you, handmaid or whatever. Oh, Impa. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. She like she's really odd with him. Like I don't understand the dynamics between the female characters and Link in this game are really upsetting uh, <laughs> because they play Link and he's in the game this way as sort of a child, like he's very, when he meets people, he's very like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. But then when he deals with like his mom character, he's like, he's like, screw you, mom. I can do what I want. I'm an adult. And then like, whenever a woman comes up to him, they're like, they're like, hey, I'd like to marry you. Or the dad, like, hey, come in, stay at this hotel. My daughter's single, you know, like she's open for business. Let's go. That's what it feels like every time they <laughs> new characters here. And it's Early. just super uncomfortable. Were you, were you earlier, were you talking about the, um, the one that's supposed to be like the great fairy, but they make her the guardian yes. of the mountain and when she jumps him? Oh, oh God. Yeah. The mute. The, yeah. The fire muse or whatever they call yeah, it. Yeah. That, that, Fair. I feel like that was the only part of the movie where I was like, I'm like, I'm checking out, like I'm, I'm not <laughs> here. I'm just kind of waiting for this to be done. That was it a little is. awkward. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and by the way, that actress is Carla Jean Davis. Um, I actually think she's probably one of the better actresses in it. Yeah, she did good. And she's directed some really interesting um, indie projects. Uh, Golgotha, probably the most interesting from 2008, which is actually before this. But I, this, this moment was so weird and so uncomfortable. It's like every anime moment where the, like a harem anime where like the little boy character walks into a room and like it's, oh, it's his older sister that he doesn't see that often who has size triple F breasts who just happens to have taken a shower and he face plants in her boobs and you know, the entirety of Japan is like, ha, 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 ha wholesome. Like that, <laughs> that's what this felt like. And, um, and it went on for way too long, like super too long. I'm like, okay, who in the cast is fucking because <laughs> this whole movie begged the question and i i don't know like i, I can't you, you mean you don't want to join in on like a zelda orgy come on man <laughs> I, you know there there's there's a lot of that going on um and i i you know feel free hey, get into the costume and bang you that would it... probably have that would probably have been a more successful movie uh, I the plot. do you think it um, i'm been... sure there's that movie it might even have the <laughs> <laughs> the dong of time or something 
Uh, do you think it would have been made better if they just if they just gone ahead and cast like basically two sets of actors and actresses? So you have the, the first half of the movie is basically like t- kids, like ten, twelve year olds, yeah. eight year olds, oh, and then this, and then yeah, and then the second yeah. half is adults. That way, that's like cool. You said, that would have been neat. Actually, no. take down Sheik's breast and you know, find a scarf. You know the scarf. Oh, oh my god! Oh my How, god! Link, what is wrong? I'm like, I'm like, you can't see that like piece of cheesecloth. It's like I'm like, I could, I could seriously. It's so sheer with such big holes in it that I'm like, you could put alphabet soup through it and it wouldn't take out any of the noodles. You know, like it's just, it's ridiculous. And she keeps fidgeting with it. And how stupid did they think we were? Like, it, like, she, like I, I wrote down at one point because I wanted the quote to remember where he's leaving and Zelda as Sheik says, don't let me down. And then it like zooms on her and she pulls down her mask and she's like, 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 I'm counting on you or whatever. And I'm like, oh, yes, I'm Zelda. Yes. Like, no oh. shit. It's, it's worse than the glasses on Superman. It's yes. like, it's oh, so way. much worse. Uh, <laughs> Way worse, and and that by the It'd way, we like it clear glasses. Like the frames are clear. <laughs> yeah, and and Hannah Fireman is is who played Zelda, um, and she's actually I think she's a pretty decent actress. The it's hard to get past in this movie to see it get past the bad costuming for her, and also what a this is where I actually was really annoyed with the film was actually the god awful sexist thing they crammed in because of all the things the Ocarina of Time isn't. It's not like. It sort of was trying to rewind back, hey, Zelda's not just a princess in captivity. She actually fights. And in this, all she does is, even a sheik, is just cry and, like, it's all, like, when he first meets her as the princess Zelda, she just starts crying for, like, no reason. Yeah, I mean, she gets the the fight near the end, but so much of it, like you said, it's just her kind of... And then she's captured again. Yeah. And then, like, and, and... It's so obnoxious, and it just, it, it totally garbaged her character all to hell. Um, and just to give a plug for Hannah Fairman, she's in, uh, she plays Lily in, in uh, one of the segments for the uh, anthology horror series uh, VHS, which was a compilation movie from 2012, which is pretty good. Um, so if you want to see her do some good stuff, watch that. Um, if you're interested in, in seeing her do something that's difficult to follow, watch this. <laughs> it's... But again, if you're a fan of Zelda, or if you kind of know, if you're just a nerd who's like, I understand Zelda, even though I haven't played it, you will have fun watching this movie, but don't make it the focal of your thing. Have your phone, have something else, because there's going to be a lot of times where you're just kind of waiting for shit to happen. Um, The fight scenes, I liked. I thought they put effort into the choreography. Um, The the Ganon slash Ganondorf fight scene at the end, they went an interesting way where because they didn't have the big effects to do like all these you know, big monster battle kind of thing. They did choreographed sword fight and punching and stuff, which I liked. I'm like, cool, it's really long, but okay. Um, I bought it, except for that end move, okay? And this is a spoiler alert, the hero wins. Um, Link stabs Ganon through the back. And then that's not the end of it. He, he then has to turn, run really far away, turn around, run back and jump off his back to take his sword back. I'm pretty sure that the appropriate thing to do then would be to walk up to him and take his sword back. I don't think <laughs> that was a finishing move. You already finished the move. He's, he's already stabbed through the center. You're done. Um, I don't know why that was supposed to be a cool moment. Like, Well, Link, Link was, was 
Link was so much um, more violent in this than I thought he would sure. be. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I love, and that's the thing I was going to say. If they didn't go the humor route, which they clearly didn't, I wish they'd have pushed it super far and to just, you know what, have blood everywhere. Because we, yeah. it's sort of like it's supposed to be a kid's movie until we get to that scene when he's gone to the future and the, the nice hotel guy who tried to get him to bang his daughter was like... <laughs> All of a sudden, he's living on the outskirts, and like she died. Blah, 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 which I don't know. He has a different family now. I don't know how that works. And but, my other daughter also wants to bang you. So yeah, and like, and you're just like, okay. Well, then they get like he's good. He sleeps there. They let him sleep there because stranger sleep here. And um, and then like in the morning, like the the ruffians, uh, which was always a problem, by the way, with with Zelda, is that you're not supposed to. It's unclear whether the villains that are the soldiers after Ganon takes over are the same soldiers. Like sometimes they're not in the games and sometimes they are just the soldiers that they just, they don't care who's in charge, I guess. Um, but they're, they're attacking and, and going to try to rape the mother and daughter of this family. And it's like super grim and like Link bursts out. And then he has the stupidest, stupidest fight scene where it looks cool. I'll grant you that. But he, he shoots the guys with his arrows, which is, by the way, a literal stick that they tied a rope to. Don't know why, I don't, they didn't even try. They, there's still pieces of it on there. Um, and, and he shoots, and then like the one last guy who's like, oh, he shoots him, pins him to the wall, and then he picks up a burning log. Yeah. And hurls the non-fiery end at him, and it pierces him while it's burning, and then he gets sprayed with blood from like 30 feet away. I'm like, I'm like listen, I'm all for hyperviolence. That is... I run a cult and classic podcast. Like hyperviolence is well within my wheelhouse. That what who choreographed? Like he has to be a flaming log, and he has to stab him with a non-flaming end, so that then he can get sprayed with blood. Like the leaps in logic are so bizarre. I don't. It's like it actually frustrated me from a fight scene standpoint. I'm like, I just don't get it. You know, it's like he might as well have pulled out a Ziploc bag and strung it over his head and suffocated him and then, and then you know, urinated on the corpse. It would have made just as much sense to me as stabbing him with, I guess, the sharp end of a piece of kindling that was on fire. I don't know if anybody else was, in, I don't think anybody else was as frustrated with that, but it frustrated. I, I mean, I just thought it was like, like, again, like it, it takes, it took me away from the original content. Like they were yeah. like very true to like following like, you know, at least most of like the story elements yeah. of the original you know leaving out like some of the better bits but yeah. Yeah. you yeah but then like you completely change like lincoln to like this you know guy who chops people's heads off and like yeah. throws swords and then does like this dance of victory on on the court basically <laughs> and it, is, it just is like it just is not the character like that's not what, like what link is like i said i'm all for that if you're gonna do that commit and yeah, yeah, yeah the steady stream throughout like because like like you said they turned it i don't know greg when you brought this up I, listen back podcast listeners to uh the episode on forgotten video game films where i talk about this with double dragon because there are there's like this weird thing where every single like the vast majority of video game adaptations are like i don't know how to approach this because the storytelling is only secondary to the gameplay i know i'm gonna take mad max and blade runner put it in a blender, pull out every name actor, and what's left is gonna be my setting. And that's what this felt like. It's like, instead of, a, instead of driving around with like nitro cars in a dim future where the sun is dead, like you've got this post-apocalyptic 
um, Terminator 2, all like Game of Thrones. And that's like, and Zelda has that, right? Like when Ganon takes over, it's the same setting, except everything is red and dark. And they did that well. I kind of liked the tone shift color-wise. Um, but I don't really get, I, don't, I just don't get that drive why they want to do that. Like, of course, Super Mario Brothers was the, is the biggest culprit of this, right? Like they, they decided to make it Blade Runner with, with Mario characters. Um, and, and that's what happens when they do these. And I'm not quite sure why the impetus is to do that, except maybe to be edgy. Um, but it just ends well, up being confusing. It's, it's either that or they take the other route, which is we can't possibly figure out how to represent this world. So you know what? Um, two or three things from this world come to our world. And, yes. And then, All of Sonic. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. All of Sonic 20, 2019. Yeah. Um, which, again, whatever. I'm, I'm fine. I, I guess, I mean, you can do either one and I'll enjoy it. Uh, but I wish that they had, if that was the tone they were going to take, I wish they'd done it all the way through. And that would have required rewriting the script, which is totally fine. Um, I just wanted some sort of element. And calling it the hero of time is difficult because the time element is not a necessity. Um, he could have just as easily... Ganon could have been, I killed the king, now you all worship me. And that would have been it. It's the same thing. The jump in time had no real reason. Yeah. The film's Well, I mean, like the the kind like the Zelda hero of time, like the reason Zelda's called I'm sorry, Link is called the hero of time is because uh all of the event like all of the different games of Zelda happen on different uh essentially times. And essentially this character is like reborn or whatever and 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 fights this same evil over and over again it's like a cyclical thing and so that's why that's why the character is named that i don't know why they decided that uh, i I, i'm gonna disagree with that because uh a link between worlds came out and they're like it's not time it's different places but it doesn't matter that's too nerdy i'm I'm sorry i'm not running that podcast (laughs) shutting that down i'll Um, say i did i did (laughs) i i i'm going back to your point that even though it was like a copyright thing i thought the title of this movie was good i'm glad that it wasn't called the legend of zelda the hero of time ultimately i think just calling it the hero of time was more powerful more interesting and also kind of fascinating if you're a fan and you happen to stumble across this as a kid like if i were growing up now and i was playing a retro game which i do all the time and and i saw this i'd be like no way this is about zelda like it would have been cool to find and I'm, i'm down with that and again i really respect all the effort that went in here but i'm going to rip to shreds the Pain in the, oh my god, the shield? Why? What happened? Did he forget he had a shield and they just took a couch cushion, stripped the stuffing, and wrapped it in tinfoil with tape on the edges? That was the worst. Because everything else they have. But that shield, I didn't even understand the shape of it. Like, the whole thing is, like, coming apart all the time, and he keeps picking it up, and I'm like, just throw it away, man. Just throw it away, because you don't have a boomerang. Why keep the shield? Like, it just, if you're going to follow the game... Make a shield. Go to the dollar store and get a fake shield because they did that with some of the other props, and frankly, it was fine. Um, so, the sh- whoever's job it was to do the shield, I, I have words for you. I have words because that was really upsetting to me um, because it's it obscures his costume for a good third of the movie. He just straps it on his back, and I just have to look at this bad prop that is clearly an afterthought. Um, I was upset. I was upset by that. So all things considered, this is time for us to, to get to the, the point here where we look at, 
you know, should people watch this film? And if so, who? Who would you recommend this film to? Greg, I'm going to start with you. Who would you recommend The Hero of Time to and why? Um, I'd recommend it solely to people that have played Zelda, like any of them. Like, that's it. I, I think you hit the nail on the head on it's not necessarily a good film. And like Jeff and I were kind of appreciating the little moments where, Oh, I remember that. And Oh yeah, that kind of captures that. Or I disagree with that. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a nostalgia trip that you can argue against. That's what it's for. Very fair. Jeffrey Tucker, who would you recommend this to and why? All right. I'm, I'm also going to do my patented rewrite some of this bit. <laughs> it wouldn't uh, be the so, same. <laughs> so one uh, just go find, like Nate said at the beginning, this the uh, Ocarina of Time has been ported to a lot of systems. Go play it. Just go and experience the actual uh, event. If you have already experienced it, and I don't know, you just you need more for some reason and something. I, I don't know. I don't know why anybody would watch this movie. Uh, it's hard for me to, uh, to 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 come up with a reason. Um, the the game was better. Um, and this didn't add anything to it for me. Uh, but if they had done a couple things, maybe it would have. Uh, one, I think they, I think the the effects that they did, they could have put Navi throughout the whole film. Yeah, like it felt completely reasonable. Yeah, yeah, ADR her voice in there. She makes fun of Link the whole time. It adds that humor. It adds a little bit of fun. You end up with and like, she's, like she's a buddy the fairy film. Yeah, she's, she's the, the fairy, fairy that, that like falls around. around. Yeah, she gives like a lot of exposition and like, uh, yeah, she's kind of like uh, like a driving force in the story, but also like a companion, somebody for uh, Link to to communicate with. Get rid of the the slew of women that he comes across. Just have like a little like flirty <laughs> interaction it. between him and this, uh, you know, a Peter Pan because kind of that kind of Tinkerbell the... type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you know, like that. That I think would have gone a long way. Um, yeah, just uh, you know. Pick Sheik like that that I mean that was like one of the better moments in the game is you have this character that's like intentionally made to look masculine um and then it's like haha all you nerds that have been you know subjugated by this concept that you know women are damsels like guess what she's a fucking badass uh mm -hmm. and this character that you've been like going like whoa this this character's fucking awesome and badass oh it's it's guess what it's a chick and it's this chick that you met earlier on put that in like how do you how do you not put yeah. that in this in this movie like I and, and I'll, feel... I'll throw my rewrite on this i would have loved to see an entire rewrite of the story and have Sheik the main character that yeah was oh, there we go amazing yeah, yeah. let's do it now let's do it now <laughs> like greenlit let's crowdsource this let's get a cease and desist from nintendo tomorrow um, um oh i did have uh one more you know um honestly the, um i was thinking about what would i rather be watching <laughs> and um that uh that zelda gets played music video if you guys have ever seen that from like probably around I, the same time where I they have they have the deku tree and they and like they have <laughs> navi and they make link like he has a motorcycle like a harley davison that they wrote opona on and it's, <laughs> it's it's i'm like i'm like this movie just went the whole nine yards and said let's make this a little more apocalyptic a little more grim and it's like a six minute music video and i'm like i'd rather be watching that fair fair so and 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 for those of you guys listening to us which is everyone uh, who's who's hearing my voice uh I, we will have a patreon up uh patreon account 
for Colton Classic uh, shortly. And so check it out. Keep checking for it. Go to coltonclassic.com. Excuse me, coltonclassicpodcast.com. Coltonclassic.com. That's not us. Coltonclassicpodcast.com. Email coltonclassicpodcast at gmail.com to join our mailing list. And know when that Patreon is up because you'll be able to see us on these videos as Patreon specials. Uh, and you'll be able to see me hold up the two GameCube releases. Green screen will let me. Uh, that are out. Fail. GameCube. Yeah. So that's no, not real. Follow us on Instagram to see more. But yeah, this this movie. Uh, if you're if you ask me who I'm going to recommend this to, recommend it to to nerds for the series of which there is no shame. I am a Zelda nerd, um, and also people who want to try their hand at making a feature like film that has a special effects because they really did succeed at a lot of the visuals they tried, and I super respect that. Um, but don't forget script. I would rather you make a short that is solid with a good script than make a feature length with a script that makes people wonder what else they'd rather be watching. So that is a good point. Yeah. Like I would say like this, this film made me feel like, Oh wow. Like this is, this is possible. Like yes. it's good, good inspiration. And it like was, an it inspired people to make, uh, to make half a dozen or more feature length Zelda films. Go on IMDb. They're there. Um, it was entertaining. Yeah. So, and I mean, for nerds like us and uh, it gave me something to talk about on my podcast. So <laughs> thanks guys. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about our next film. Yeah. Okay. So the next film on our block is uh, from one year later, 2010 Mega Man. Now, I think we may have some different views on this. I, I was always a bigger Mega Man fan than a Zelda fan. So I actually really fanboyed out on this. But there are so many of the same problems um, that, that Hero of Time faced. Um, but I think one thing we could probably agree on that's different is the production values are far superior in this film. Um, yeah. the they had money. Uh, the, the sound is good. The ADR is crisp. In fact, it's, it's, it's really, really good. Um, the, the costuming is crisp. It looks like the kind of adaptation they would have done in the, uh, the nineties to early two thousands where, you know, the X, the Brian Singer X-Men one kind of thing where it's like, well, let's take it and make it into today's cool. Um, and so the costumes are like, you know, adapted motorcycle pads and things like that. Paintball enthusiasts. Uh, yeah, paintball enthusiasts. There is there, uh, 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 was it Fireman? Has I think a, so. Yeah, Fireman has a, a, a painted paintball mask. Um, but so for those of you who don't know the games, this, this is one of those movies, the games, I mean, the game came out in 1987, the first Mega Man, which is what this is heavily based on. There've been many, many iterations since um, in this series and several other series based on it. Um, the idea is that a good scientist named Dr. Light built intelligent robots and a bad scientist who he used to work with, Dr. Wiley, um, tries to reprogram them and make his own to rule the world. And so Dr. Light has Mega Man, who is sort of his surrogate son, Android, I guess he's really just a robot, not an android, but uh, can defeat Wily's creations and steal their powers and uh, use those powers against other creations. So the idea is that there's a bad guy and the good guy makes Mega Man uh, and Mega Man has the power to defeat them. So it's, it's pretty straightforward. The game, the reason it works is because you could sort of choose which bad guy you wanted to battle and you'd go through a level and fight that boss fight and you get that power. And it was sort of an interesting trial and error system where you had skill, but you also had to figure out which enemy was easier to defeat with which power. It's a good gameplay thing. Has 
no impact on making a good movie uh, because it causes engagement from, requires engagement from the audience that we don't give to films like we do to video games. So this film, um, I was unable to locate this source, but I remember when this film came out, there was talk about trying to get it released or adapted. Um, and I, I don't, I mean, I don't know why you would have thought that you could do that. I guess if you thought that the product was going to be so um, well known, because Mega Man is, is owned and created by Capcom, uh, computer video game company, very well known, Lady Street Fighter, all that jazz too. I don't know why you would have thought that because it's never happened in the history of time, to my knowledge, that someone has said, this thing you made with our property without our permission is fantastic. We'd like to use it. Sometimes it happens with game translations, but I mean, an entire motion picture, not going to happen. So a lot of money was spent on this film for an indie film, and it shows it. It looks good. It does look like the kind of thing the Sci-Fi Channel would have played early morning or late evening on the weekend um, in, the, in the late 90s. And, uh, and they tried some things. I, well, we'll just get right into it. Jeff, what was your take? What was your expectation? And then what did you get? So, I mean, again, like, I haven't watched any of these fan films, so I, my expectations were in the basement. Um, and so in, in that, in that uh, it obviously exceeded my expectations because it actually does have good production value. The sound, like you said, is, is crisp. Um, you know, even some of the acting is actually not, not mm-hmm. too bad in this one. Um, but um, I think the one difference I would say with this one and uh, Zelda, which I, why I actually I didn't like either of them, but I like this one better, um, is because it actually did add something to the medium <laughs> that 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 was there. In in this game, like Nate said, you start up with a screen, like you just say you hit start, and then you get to pick one mm-hmm. of these uh, robots, and you just go into it, and then you just start a platform side scroller. Uh, and that's it. And they, you, you, they kind of throw in some story later. Um, but this movie kind of adds like a, a, you know, a new story to it, like stuff that we didn't have, like the home life of Mega Man and the, the, the interplay between Dr. Light and Dr. Wily. Um, and so there is at least, they were at least trying to like write something new and bring something new to the, um, to this universe. Um, I don't know if it really worked that well. It didn't really work that well for me. Um, there was like, there's like some scenes that just like, that almost made me angry that the script writing was like so bad. <laughs> and like the characters were so poorly uh, like thought out. Is like, you know, Mega Man is like this naive character that was just born, but then like he has his first meal and he's like, oh, this is awful. Like he has nothing to compare it to. And it's like, oh, I, oh, this is disgusting. Um, and also then he's like, oh, but I have to eat it because it's, it's, uh, it'd be wasteful not to, but then it, he literally says that right after Dr. Light describes why he doesn't need to eat and literally it's just a luxury and it already is just wasteful for him to eat it. The whole, the whole, that whole scene was almost so poorly written. It was infuriating. Uh, he was just, it contradicted itself every two seconds. Uh, the characters just didn't make any sense. And it also made a character that's supposed to be likable almost instantly unlikable. It it was like it was just this it was just this this circus of errors. Um, yeah, I I think you're I think you're right. I think I I guess because it is a 
I didn't mind it in the effect, at least it didn't anger me. I won't say I didn't mind it because I totally had the same thoughts running through my head, but it didn't surprise me because it's such a trope to have like, here's this comedic moment with this guy who doesn't understand social interaction. Um, yeah. But it was, it's one of those things where at first it's like, yeah, that's what this is. And then when you actually think about it, you're like, no, I recognize that that's what this is supposed to be. This actually failed at what it was doing. It's just like, it's cluing that, um, that schema in my head to recognize it. Um, we'll get into something. It made, Lisa, you said it made Mega Man unlikable. You know, it's supposed to be this really kind hero. I've got a, a take on, on this as well. But first, Greg, sure, what was yeah, your expectation? Yeah. And because you said you watched this first, right? Yeah. Okay, what was your expectation and what did you think when you watched it? Uh, my expectation was low. I mean, I watched it first because I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know Mega Man as well as I know Zelda. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping Zelda's going to engage me a little bit more. Um, I, I've, I don't think I've watched a movie like Mega Man in a long time that made me more aware of how sober I was through the entire movie. Uh, I, I, will, like, I don't know if this is to its credit or detriment. I'd watch it again. <laughs> I'd never watch Hero of Time ever again, but I'd watch Mega Man again with alcohol and make a drinking game out of it. I mean, any anything Dr. Light said where I'm like, what, what, why, the, why the fuck did you make robots like that? Yeah. Why did you, like, exactly. like, like, like Jeff, you said like, like, like oh, I'm, I'm making it so that you don't need to eat, but you feel hunger. Isn't that great? Yeah kill yourself like, <laughs> um, so, like okay i can't hold back anymore dr light is supposed to, in the games dr light is like everyone's dad right everyone's dad that they wish that he's the sweetest like perfect he is the good person right he's only does things for the betterment of mankind he's what elon musk thinks he is in his head okay and in this movie he is a fucking psychological villain he is everything he does is wrong is wrong 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 so dr light um if, let's let's just listen to this. this is dr light um he's played uh by uh, uh edward x young who has been in a bunch of uh really um sort of bad b movies like intentionally bad like um uh attack of the killer chickens which is in progress right now um uh, and uh, was oh psycho sisters possessed from 2019 so he's been in a lot of these great movies that is really they're really, really bad, and I totally recommend them. Um, but this is him and being interviewed at the beginning of the movie where we're getting a little bit of backstory. I want robots to make life easier for human employees. Robots should be used for the betterment of mankind. Any other use would be unethical. Well, there you have it. Dr. Light's award-winning creations. And I believe that the woman playing the anchor is, I think, um, Ivy, uh, uh, Ivy Hong, who's done a, another film called Cindy from 2006 that I'm not familiar with. But so even first, even his delivery, like when he pauses and says, like, would be unethical or whatever he says, like he's, he's giving side eye to um, Dr. Well, no, Wiley. He's, who's he's, also uh, he's staring straight at everyone. Yeah, everyone in right. that movie did not blink. <laughs> you're right. And the thing is, is everything he says, number one, sounds like we're going to go into that terrifying scene of Pulp Fiction where there's brutal anal rape. That's what everything he says is a preface to that. Um, and also, so he's made robots, okay? You find out that Proto Man, who is a character that keeps, one of those characters in the games that keeps popping in and saving Mega Man, and you're like, is he a good guy or a bad guy? We all know he's a good guy. He wouldn't be popping in to save you if he wasn't, but he's mysterious, okay? He's in this game. 
turns out he is the original creation that accidentally got free will, which is weird as shit, number one, because the entire movie is Light telling Mega Man and his sister Roll, who's a little bit older than him, that they are human, as human as he could make them. Well, no, you're fucking not, because he made another one that had free will, apparently. So that's right off the table. But he made this guy with free will, okay? And then he's like, oh, you may die, but so I'm going to forcibly take away your free will. And then he doesn't want that, so he runs away. That's strike against Dr. Light, number one. Evil as shit. Number two, okay, Dr. Light has, his wife died like 20, they say 22 years ago, and she had, she was pregnant with twins, okay? So he's essentially built two 22-year or 21-year-old uh, robot children, which we now know don't have free will, so we assume they can't leave him, um, and that he's programmed them to do whatever he wants, and that's his life. Like, at one point, Mega Man says, it's so sad. Yes, it's fucking terrifyingly sad, right? That he's like, I'm going to make children that will not die. I'm going to give them emotions and hunger, but they cannot have free will. That is, that is fucked up beyond belief. You know, he, he must have teamed up with the um, the droid the droid programmers from Star Wars who were Star like, you Wars. know what? We need to give all these droids fucking sass. Like, that would make them so much better. <laughs> true. It's true. And then we have um, uh, we have him. He's working with Dr. Wiley, right? And Dr. Wiley, now I will say, I, I adore this insane overacting that Dave Malbec oh. does. <laughs> it's beautiful because he's like he's he's fantastic and he's he acts he's done some other stuff in 2017 he was in dracula goes to camp <laughs> i haven't seen it but i'm super excited he's been in some other strange things i i hope he continues to act forever and i want to see him in more things because he is not afraid to ham it up and he saw this movie he was like oh it's a Mega Man movie i am going to i'm going to ingest every piece of scenery that there is and with my questionable dental work it is awesome. He is fantastic. I gave him props. I'd love to have him on the show. He is clearly the, the character who's like, yeah, okay, idiot. Like, you want to make mankind a better place. Don't give a shit. Robots are cool. They can give me power. Well, he knows this about him, presumably. Yet Dr. Light still hires him and gives him access to all of his high-tech shit. And that he brutally fires him. Like, not in a nice way. He's like, I'm going to build another robot. And... Oddly enough, Wiley's like, why would you build another robot? We don't have the money. We don't have the time or resources. We just built these robots to make everything better, like do construction and all that shit. Why would you build another robot? And he says, I'm doing it. I'm doing it by myself. I literally, he says, I don't need you. And he fires him nastily. And then he's like, Dr. Wiley's gone insane. I'm like, you, you, oh my God. Like, it's like watching Bowling for Columbine and hearing the talk, like, yeah, he went crazy. Okay, but he also was mistreated by this guy extremely badly. He was supposed to be a hero. Okay, and I'm not defending the shooters of Columbine. They're terrible. It was a monstrous act. It was a, but what I'm saying is, is that Wiley is given this story where he's actually kind of, he's kind of understandable in a way, I feel like. Like, he's actually... You see the crazy coming. You see the crazy coming, and then he has this breakdown at the end when he's been defeated, where he's like, I never win, I have nothing, I just, nothing. It's just, I'm watching this breakdown and I'm identifying more with Dr. Wiley than I've ever identified with another person beyond my wife in my entire life. Like, I am on the ground, a wreck of a man with Dr. Wiley, and Dr. Light is an asshole who's caused this whole thing and is one, by the way, I don't think they understand that there's a difference between the Nobel Prize and the Pulitzer Prize in this. Did you notice that? 
They're like, I didn't, uh, I didn't the, catch that. The anchor is like, your Pulitzer Prize. And oh. then like later on, it's like, oh, and this is the robots that got you the Nobel Prize, right? I'm like, you saying you got both? Um, there's also this weird line where she's like, did they get the Nobel Prize? And goes, well, the Nobel Prize process used to be a lot different. I'm like, what? what, what are you, is that a joke? I don't even understand what that means. Like, are you saying that like, it wasn't meaningful or something? I, I'm like, so I'm like, did you just, did you just unintentionally diss every Nobel Prize winner in history of time? Like Louis Pasteur is spinning in his grave. Um, so I don't know. I don't actually remember. Well, Dr. Light well. lives inside of a janitor's closet, a condemned <laughs> building. So whatever. I'm like, I'm like, what dental hygienist office are you doing your robotics research in? Um, but yeah, so they clearly didn't spend a lot of money on the set. Uh, at least there were there was equipment and stuff in there. Although yeah. why he had shit everywhere, I'm like I wouldn't poster of Nikola money. Tesla. Yeah, and Albert Einstein in the <laughs> back. Um, let's listen to this clip of Dr. Wiley, uh, Dave Malbec doing his. This is one of my favorite scenes. This is probably my favorite scene because what happens is it's after he's been fired, we assume it's a little bit in the future because Dr. Light fires him and then builds Megaman, who is also known as Rock, which is his name in in Japan. Um, so this is when. He's walking into his apartment with like 7-Eleven groceries. Is it that Dr. Light giving you troubles? Every damn day. Open up schematics 203 and 303. Yes, doctor. When the opportunity arises, you will know my true potential. Everyone will. Are you addressing me, doctor? No. I'm monologuing to myself. Of course, I'm talking to you. <sighs> I've had it. That so, so that sort of like uh, Chekhov, if he chain smoked for thirty years and was also Linda Blair from The Exorcist doing that voice the whole movie. I loved it, and he has this insane push broom mustache glued on, and he's always got acne and is sweating profusely. And he has he the gross. Yeah, it's perfect. Like I, I absolutely, and they're always doing these close-ups with these heavy, you know, uh, Charles Hero like shading where it's black. I want to. I just, I totally ate it up. I waited for him, and that's why in the middle part of the movie, there's this gap where he's not there, and I was like so bummed because I'm like, none of the interactions between Mega Man and anybody else are half as entertaining as like two seconds of Doctor Wiley, you know, chewing the couch. Uh, the whole time it's just be beautiful and um, um i will say though the uh the guy that played ice man he uh he took a stab at it with uh his bipolar <laughs> disorder freak out <laughs> yeah so i think so he yeah so basically the idea as Mega Man fights he prefaces every battle pretty much with um i don't want to fight because which is understandable i guess we're assuming that he's like i'm a robot you're a robot you're built for a purpose whatever but they're continually telling him you don't have choice none of us do we've been programmed this way go to hell so Iceman comes down and the first thing he says is like, uh, like, hey, how are you doing? And then he like smashes his head down into an invisible wall and lifts up again and is like, is like I'm gonna defeat you. Well, he has goggles, they all have goggles, right? And he's put the goggles on top of his head and he's doing the head thing as though they're glasses and they're supposed to slam down over his eyes. And like, that's his different persona. And then he puts them up again. I thought that's what they were trying to do. But when the goggles just stay there the whole time, it just looks like he's, headbanging to the slowest you know like metal song ever like just the bleakest doom metal where there's like one beat every you know few measures just like boom boom 
Like it's just, and yeah, so his schizo freak out, it, it was sort of like um, if, if you, the, recently there was an H.P. Lovecraft adaptation um, called The Color Out of Space starring Nicolas Cage. Yes, um, there was. And, uh, and I reviewed it for HorrorNews.net and it's, it's, it's got some great things and it's got some things that was questionable, but Nicolas Cage ends up becoming manic in it and he has like these hard, cool flips where he puts out and he does like his best finger impression of Donald Trump and it's fantastic and I loved every second of it. But that's what this reminded me of. Like he was trying to go there. He doesn't have Nicolas Cage's ability to get fully there, but he tried real hard. I mean, the veins were popping in his forehead and he was trying and I give him props for that. Which is interesting because the whole time I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I could be watching Nicolas Cage and Astro Boy, but instead I'm here. <laughs> Right, right. And that is, and I urge everyone to go see Nicolas Cage and Ask for Boy. That yeah. is a fun party movie. Um, and, uh, and, and also, let's throw a thing out to fans will know who Roll is, but Roll is um, the older sister, in effect, of Mega Man. And um, she's played, in this case, by um, Jeannie C, who this, I believe, was her last movie. She did a couple of smaller movies beforehand, which is kind of unfortunate because she did a fine job. I thought she played the really innocent, like, doesn't think too deeply character who also is really loving and supportive. Well, in, in Mega Man lore, uh, and especially in like the, the 90s cartoon, she was hilarious because her entire job is housework and they kind of alluded to that here. But whereas Mega Man has this buster cannon, which is his arm gun, it's like the place in place of his hand. She has a vacuum, which is the most sexist, insane thing ever. It's like, well, I built her first with a vacuum. Because uh, I need two things in my life, uh, a woman with a vagina and someone who will claim the house. And that was like the weirdest, like most disturbing element. And I'm glad they got rid of that. She's just a young robot person who kind of, I guess, cleans the house <laughs> a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, she, so she did an okay job. Um, I think the other character that, that probably deserves note is uh, the person who played Blues or uh, Proto Man, which is Joe Song. And he also, I think, did a good job. I actually think he was a pretty strong um, actor. He's been in a couple of, uh, lots of little parts and things, probably most known though for Pat Chong Su in um, the 2019 Magnum PI series. Um, he also is in Hawaii Five-0 as Zhao. So he's making the rounds of uh, every single 1980s show reboot um, that has come out starring a white guy in glasses. He's there as the sidekick, but he's really good. Um, and I think that, that he kind of outclasses most of the scenes when he steps on them very briefly. Um, so if you're a Mega Man fan, all the characters are here. The, the villains are Elec Man, Fireman, Iceman, who you kind of all get. Um, and, uh, and then uh, Guts Man, who is the big strong robot. Now, we haven't mentioned it. So about half the robots are people in those sort of paintball getups um, with, with like goggles and whatever, and they have little CGI effects. But then the other three, Cut Man, Guts Man, and uh, Bomb Man, Bomb Man, yeah, are uh, are actually 3D rendered robots. Um, the 3D rendering is not great, but for a small budget film, I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was nice I thought to it was see. Pretty good, actually. Yeah. I thought it was nice to see it. Um, I liked and, it more and... than the practical effects. I, they did it. <laughs> they blended it pretty well. Like, and there was a scene where like Guts Man like runs into a street and like knocks over a car oh that was cool was yeah literally just uh they just like recorded the street scene for a little while waited for a gap so they could animate yep. in a suv running it in. was great yeah and I, it, yeah it totally i thought it was pretty effective um and and interesting facts so the, the person who voices that 3d character guts man is sonic mega who is um i think he's off the circuit now but he was uh or she i don't 
I think it's he, uh, was uh, Smash Brothers champion with Mega Man uh, for for many for oh. many years. I think up through 2018. So maybe he's still playing. But so that was. Oh, I guess he's in 2019. So he's probably still playing. Um, so yeah. So that was an interesting thing. I really liked that uh, that sort of you know it felt like getting a fan involved was really cool. Um, and, and I thought that was, and also he was a great voice actor for it. He played Gutsman perfect. He loved it. Um, there were lots of neat little touches that they did uh, with the voices like Roll and the other robots. They have, except for Mega Man and Proto Man, they have a little bit of like robotic reverb on their voice. Um, and I thought that it wasn't too much, but it let us know like they're not people uh, per se. Um, so, the, let's get to the problems of the film because there are problems. There's a lot of back and forth in this movie. It's, it creates this similar pacing problem to Hero of Time. It's shorter by about 10 minutes. Um, so it's still, it clocks in about an hour and 33, I think. And they, they basically have a little bit of act setup scene in the beginning, which I think is fine. Then they have the action scene and then Mega Man will come back to the house slash laboratory. And every time he does that, they have dialogue that is really sort of repetitive and unimportant. It's always him talking to Roll about, well, what's our purpose? But it's almost like they never get to that point of just, you could just come out and say it. And I think that his character would, right? They're, they're kind of direct, um, especially this character that's supposed to be newborn, right? Like he doesn't get subtlety. So why wouldn't he just come in and ask? But instead we have these scenes where it's like he's having an internal struggle, which is just not believable or important. Um, I shouldn't say not important. I do think it is important to the plot because it does seem like he's trying to find a purpose. Then when he finally does have this purpose of like defending the city, then he's whining about it. I don't want to fight anymore. Well, bitch, pick a side because if you don't want to do something, don't do it. You had free chance to just play video games all day. And they do play Konami's Contra from 1987. Why they didn't play a Konami game, I don't know. But it's the same, same year as Mega Man came out. Uh, so I'm not sure what the deal was. I also don't know why Dr. Light only had an original Nintendo system in his house. Um, I'm okay with it. Uh, but you think that they'd have some crazy shit since he built robots, you know, that, I don't know, they, they're, they're apparently real enough to have emotions. He probably was like, uh, you can want a child, but you can't actually get pregnant. You could have um, gone to CDI. <laughs> yeah, you could have gone to CDI. No, yeah, for sure. That, that's just, that's all I'm saying, you know, a Jaguar, uh, something in there. So. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I don't, I, I personally, I identified with Dr. Wiley, even though he has this crazy monologue, um, near the end, he's captured role and it's like his last, like, oh, uh, he must be pretty sad because my guys beat up Mega Man nearly to death, but now I'm going to still roll and take everything away from him. He has this monologue that gets like really, really intense and dark where he's like, I never liked you. I never liked her referring to Dr. Light's wife. He's like, you think you're the only one who's lost something? The only one who lost someone? And like, you're like, where is this going? Like, is he gonna like analyze? Is he gonna talk about his entire horrifying past, which he must have had? I mean, he in that clip we listened to, he clearly built this strange Russian hooker computer bot to sass him. Like, he clearly he's plankton from from SpongeBob at this point. Like, he you know he has his computer wife Karen. And he's just uh, the subreddit r slash neat. Just, you know, you know why I'm not getting laid? It's society. Yes, exactly. And like, so, and I mean, so much like Ganon, I find him the most engaging character in this. Um, the Jun Naito, who I might be mispronouncing his name, but he played, he plays Mega Man. Um, he's gotten a lot of parts in other shows too. Uh, he is, he was in the, the Murphy, 
Brown, Soft Reboot. Um, he was in Z, the, the, the TV show about Zelda starring Christina Ricci. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff, so he's got a good career. I don't think he's a terrible actor. I just, I feel like it was probably difficult for him because Mega Man's sort of drive is not clear. Um, I don't know if anybody else got that. I think Jeff, you kind of insinuated that. Like, I don't, his, there's just scenes where they do things. Like, he's like, can I go to the city? And they're like, yeah. And he goes to the city with Roll. And then just, we only ever see him just staring out at the city from like across the bay, overlooking a garbage barge. Like, I don't really get what we were supposed to understand. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the I, whole character of of Mega Man was just a mess, right? And which makes yeah. sense because there is no, like, at least in the original games, there is no character, right? Like, mm. he just is a person that that you know you play and you go through these platforms. Uh, there isn't really like a personality or um, like characterization there. Uh, so, like, if you're if you use that subject matter and then you write your own character on it. Uh, you know, it's all original stuff and it was all yeah. terrible. Uh, yeah. They, like, yeah. every scene, he was, like, a different character. Like, he was, you know, supposed to be naive and, like, oh, experiencing the city for the first time. Like, oh, this is... And then the next scene, he's, like, wise and, like, you know, like, waxing poetic. What's about, my like, purpose? Yeah. You know, and then the next scene, he's... It is just, like, who is this character? Right. And, yeah. Like, he's my, you know, titular character. Like, I should you know, have, you know, be able to like understand a little bit about him. He's in like almost every scene. Um, yeah. And at the end of the movie, it's like, who is this guy? I, I understand him less than I did before because I've played future Mega Man games where he actually does have a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, let's also touch on Dr. Light, by the way, when Mega Man's like, I need to stop them. I volunteer. And he's like, no, you're not. And Roll's like, you're not designed for combat. And Dr. Light's like, well, like I can set <laughs> you up pretty quick. And then Mega Man's like, I'm going to go do it. And he's like, and then Light leans in. The good guy leans in and is like, if you have to, do whatever you have to do. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, what sort of father are you? Like, no, you're, how did your wife die? Is that question? Was it self-inflicted? Because I, maybe you're that scary. Like he seems like a straight up sociopath. Um, yeah. And also it's like, um, he keeps a picture of his dead pregnant wife on his desk, but he's never told them about it. So like, I don't understand like his character at all. And I think that comes down to the problematic part where the only character that has an arc that we start to see is Wiley. Um, and really, again, uh, make a chic movie, make a Wiley movie. Let's do the Joker for Dr. Wiley. Let's get it on board. I am totally down with it. You know, we can get his, his origins yeah, of birth and whatever, yeah. and whatever, yeah, USSSR nation his parents had to, had to escape from, you know, his Even Eastern some Slavic something. Yeah. something. I don't know. Or let make him win. I don't know. Do a Harley Quinn with it. Um, so, so that, that's a problem. Um, also, so let's listen to this clip. This is, um, this is Jun Naito as, uh, as Mega Man, the evil copy that Wiley has whipped up in 22 hours, um, apparently. Uh, and, and let's listen. Mega Man, looky who I have here. You wanna see how fragile Dr. Light made her pretty little head? Then surrender. You have two choices, your life or hers. No. Decision time, Mega Man. Do you want her death on your conscience? 
then he says that's yes, a good question away right yeah <laughs> well so what happens is um is that then i didn't understand this part then they like ha 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 and he kneels down and then they throw roll out of like the window of their floating castle thing um, which is in the game, which is pretty great. They actually had so many little Easter eggs and so many things. That I, as a huge fan, I was excited. But I don't really get what that whole exchange is supposed to be. Because presumably when villains do that, right, they're like, uh, it's your life or hers. He's like, it's my life. They're like, cool. And then they kill him. And then their their plot is they can do whatever they want, right? But instead, they're like, you, you submit? <laughs> All right. Throw her out the window and let him jump after her? He just flew his ass up to a floating castle. How is that going to be a problem for him? Right? Like, I didn't get that, that whole, I didn't get that scene at all. I don't know if I missed something. Did you guys follow that? I think it was just a major lack of foresight on Dr. Wiley's part, which <laughs> maybe explains why him and Dr. Light work together. Because the whole, remember Proto Man showed up? I was like, why do we need Mega Man? Why are you here? Right. Cause, which is kind of like the games, too. Proto Man is so much stronger than Mega Man. You're like, he just shows up and is like, why'd you lose to that pansy? You were doing pretty good. And then he turns around like the big brother. Like, you know, like the, it's literally like a, a kid was playing Contra. And then the big brother came in after he died for the 30th time, entered the infinite life code or the big life code. And was like, it was like, I don't know why you didn't do that to begin with and walked away. And the kid's just like in awe of him. And you're like, why did you enter the room at all? I don't know. Did you need a soda? So I don't really get... Like, I didn't get that. And the, the lack of foresight is actually funny because when you think about it, he kind of has that, right? Like, he apparently it took, like, what, he said six months or something to make Mega Man after Wily had been fired. And Wily has apparently done nothing. He's literally just been sitting in his apartment eating stuff from 7-Eleven or <laughs> Quick Mart or whatever, um, talking to this, his Russian hooker. It's not even a robot. It's a computer. She's just this image on a screen that keeps stroking a fake fur. I don't really understand it, but I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, like he's done nothing. Maybe that is his thing. He's like, I have no ideas. Um, so I'm going to steal this robot. Here's the other thing. In, in some of the later uh, Mega Man games, he has a dog um, called Rush, who gives him the ability to both fly and do this like super bounce thing on a spring. Loved Rush. Great character. I don't know if it was intended and they just didn't have the effects budget at that point, but it seemed like a huge misstep that they're like, He's like, can I teleport? Because they have a teleporter that only works on robots. Can I teleport to his mad, his big defense flying castle? Uh, no, you can't. Okay, don't know why that would be a thing, but all right, no need to explain. Uh, but there's another way. It didn't work for Proto Man, but I think I could work for you. And I guess they're jump jets. We never really see them. We yeah. just see Mega Man like in some sort of like void of clouds behind him, just sort of like facing the camera so i don't really understand what happened there if they just ran out of budget and it was supposed to be rush the dog or it was just supposed to be rocket boots that they just couldn't give him because um, he doesn't i don't think he gets those in the games at least not like one through seven so i don't really understand what the deal was with that it seems like they sort of lost the look, look it's an end battle okay we're gonna get momentum just by the fact that people know it's almost over um yeah the, the whole end fight seemed awkward uh but again for a fan, there was that nice Easter egg. It's sort of the Dr. Robotnik from Sega thing where um, he, Mega Man defeats Wily, who is inside this big robot. Um, although where he is in time and space at the moment is unclear. Uh, but like he defeats the robot and then the top is a saucer that goes wee, 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 and goes and lands somewhere in like a you know, Capcom take on, uh, on Namco's Pac-Man sound. And, and that's from the games and that was fun. I liked that. 
Um, again, and that scene that we just heard too, it's kind of like they tried to make it like darker because no one dies in this except for the robots who you're apparently not supposed to feel bad for because even though Proto Man's like, right. Well, and they make it clear, but then they also are like, Mega Man and Roll have feelings. They have feelings, but they don't have free will. That seems pretty evil. Um, and they try and play it off like the reason Proto Man has feelings is because of a a flaw in his core, which needs to be fixed. Otherwise, he could die, maybe. I'm like, uh, yeah, so could everyone. I don't understand the issue here. Like, I've had computers quit working. You think Mega Man's never just going to keel over because his hard drive skipped? Like, I don't understand where that – I just don't get the stakes there. Um, I also think that the movie didn't dig too deep in order for those to be huge problems. Like, when this came out, I heard someone say, this should be on Sci-Fi Channel. And I actually agree. I think this could have been on Sci-Fi Channel next to Snake Aconda 6 or whatever, you know, uh, Roger Corman production is hitting. And I'm not dissing Roger Corman. I would love Sharkato 6, whatever that might be. Um, you know, uh, Sharktopus was fantastic. So here's the question I'm going to pose for you guys on this one. Do you think that these movies, both Hero of Time and Mega Man, would be better as short films? Or do you think that they needed to be feature lengths that just needed to be repaired or have script work? Short films, 100%. Like Mega I, Man, um, I, I thought would be an easy cut. You, you just, yeah. right at the point where he starts going up against them individually, just start right there. I don't care about mm -hmm. anything that happens before then. Mm-hmm. I would love to see a short film like that, but instead it's Dr. Wiley narrating it. So we get oh. a little snarky attitude as he goes through it. And like, maybe he's even telling us things that aren't happening on screen like this, like he is such a weak, this is his biggest loss. And then like, you know, we watch him defeat you know, Wiley or whatever. Jeff, uh, what about you? So, I mean, I love Wiley, so I'd watch a short with Wiley. Like I'm sold on that. Um, but honestly, I mean, you know, if, if they had been given like, you know, a Transformers budget, like you know or lord of the rings budget like i feel like these movies could have been executed in a way that was like you know had consistent action and consistent you know interesting things um the mega man would have had to been completely written like rewritten by somebody with a you know a, a competent pen um and you know like really like H dig hero into of these time wouldn't uh okay, yes but i mean uh, but i mean but hero time literally was just like it's kind of like an adaptation of lord of the rings but you're doing the ocarina of time uh i i think that they would have probably needed some changes to make it out of that like video game format and into um like a narrative that works on screen um but uh you know i do think these could have worked with like a really good bit like a really good budget um you know, like, cause, cause the, the, they do have room for really fun effects and like really fun worlds that you can create, um, you know, akin to, you know, your Lord of the Rings or I'm um, trying to think of like a Mega Man um, equivalent, but like, you know, almost any comic book uh, right. kind of film. I, like an Iron Man, a light, light Iron yeah, Man. Like a light Iron um, Man. Yeah, exactly. There you yeah. go. That's a good example. I think, so I think it split the difference. I would say that uh, Hero of Time, my biggest issue was that Hero of Time has storytelling problems there's consistency and clarity issues so i would say it needed to be a short film in order to tighten up some of that mm. uh, and make it more effective we could even have done 
um, still frame narrated scenes in between other scenes, like take what they did in the beginning and use that to transition between scenes that would have been easier to film. That would have been very much more effective. Mega Man. No, man. I, I like, I do think that like, it would be fun to have like a Navi, you know, link kind of interaction for like a whole film where they're sure. like, they have like that kind of buddy, uh, maybe I, like I think so too. sexual tension, like Tinkerbell pan, you right. know, like some sort of uh, something going on there where they're, that those two characters are interesting and driving. I think that would actually- I think that's true. I just didn't see the script competency available on that. I think oh, you would need- You would have to have difference. I agree. You would, you would right. probably need different. So, so, so I think, I think Hero of Time could have been solved, could have been rep, could have been improved and made a feature length that way, but I would have made it a short. Um, and I wouldn't have adhered so closely to the game because I don't think that the game story is really as written effective, as you said, Jeff, as a, as a feature. It doesn't have the narrative arc that the feature does. In fact, Link doesn't really grow at all as far as we know in the game. I mean, um, I think it's also just impossible to adapt what is right. 40 hours of gameplay and side quests right. and all that. And like, yeah. how, do you sh how do you give me that warrant? Well, and I mean, like that, that that's the thing with the video game. The, the character's not supposed to grow. You're supposed to grow. Yeah. Like you're supposed to yeah. get better. You're supposed right. to learn. That's an interesting like, dynamic. That's, you're the character. Like, you're the, you're the mm -hmm. character with the art. When it comes to the and I think for Mega Man, I would have actually loved to see this as a proof of concept to sell a live action oh, yeah. um, kid show. Like, wouldn't that be great? Like, this, because this could easily be um, a, a, a U.S. production of you know a new Power Rangers style franchise or Super Sentai, you know exactly. It, it could have yeah, yeah. easily been that. I would have loved to see Wiley pop on after every intro thing, open with a cute intro thing with Roll and Mega Man. They have to go to high school. I'd fucking eat that shit. Every, every week okay? you get a new robot with a new I would powers, have but, adored yeah. it. I would have adored it, you know. And then you could have had a, a big movie like Power Rangers Turbo, you know. Like it really would work, and it has that vibe, which is why when they try to make it a little more tense near the end, it doesn't work as well for me. Um, it also had that tone shift thing, where like he's like, "You want to see how fragile her brain is before I splatter it on the world?" I'm like, I get what they were doing with that, and I appreciate all. I appreciate another, yet another Easter egg, you know, Mega Man having to fight the clone of Mega Man, which is in the game too. I love it. I just think that it could have been, it could be so much better in a shorter form. And in that case, an episodic one. Um, that would have been cool. That would have been really cool. Hero of Time could have been a short film series like, uh, like Mortal Kombat Legacy. But I think that I would love to see Hero of Time done again um, with a new script and a new vision. A re-envisioning of it would be awful fun. Um, because I think that we need to cut a bunch out and, and add in some new interactions. Because really, there's no dynamic between characters in Hero of Time. Navi, buddy, uh, I don't know, like buddy uh, adventure film. I don't know, is that a genre? Buddy adventure? That should be. I'm like just like Bill with, and Ted. With the, I know we're <laughs> backtracking, but with the way Hero of Time was written, I just fear for like, are we going to get a shower scene with Navi? Like, is there going to be... <laughs> You know, is she? Oh, gonna, it would have been yeah. It would have been crazy. Is she? Is is she gonna like? It's like what? I'm in your pocket. Like, is are we gonna get some disturbing things? I, it's just it's gonna be. It's it's, gonna it's be rewritten by me. It's not. I'm not like. I'm not putting like. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going into a production meeting with the people that made this and like. Hey, 
I think you got uh, this if you just uh, made this one. <laughs> you know what? We'll just we'll we'll do the the fan theory where you take both of these and you have them end with um like post credit scenes where they're invited to the Smash Brothers initiative and then you have the Smash Brothers <laughs> cinematic universe. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would oh, dude, I would pay awesome. <laughs> I would pay my twenty five dollars to see that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so and then so we would guess, need one for we would need a fan film for all of the Smash Brothers content, except for the female ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dig at you, Marvel. It's a dig at you. Um, God. So, so here's the thing. I actually I wasn't sure how to take these because I've had these 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 copies are bootlegs because you can only get bootleg copies of these films. You can watch them online. By the way, Hero of Time had a streaming debut on Daily Motion. Now, that, I guess if you want it between twerking videos um, and, and, and chick fights gone wrong, if you wanted to watch a feature length, I don't know why that was the streaming platform of choice when that came out in 2009, um, but I hope they got some money for it. I, I guess, but bootlegs are all that exist of these really because they are not licensed by the copyright holders. Normally these films are obviously licensed, but it's sort of like Hero of Time is not their property even though they made it. Uh, same with Mega Man because they did not, um, get permission to to utilize the franchises that they do. So, but here's the thing: I didn't know how to how to I didn't know what to expect, as you guys said. Even though I found these films a million years ago and I've kept them forever until now, I haven't watched them. And I will say that despite big problems, I actually am now excited to watch more fan films because there is promise in these for for things that we may never see. Because mm. I'm sure at some point we will get a Zelda series or or movie but I don't know when. Um, Nintendo has been very close-minded about doing that, despite the fact that it clearly would make 30 gajillion dollars. Um, well, well, we'll get that, uh, what, that Mario movie maybe in the next two years from Illumination. We'll it would see. be great. It would yeah. be great. Um, and, and we'll see what happens with that. Um, Capcom maybe would release a film. I mean, they've done tons of animated series, so that's, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, but I think seeing other people's interpretations is a lot of fun. I'm still not sure I'm on board to risk a two and a half hour uh, Zelda fan film marathon, but um, I'm willing to give them a shot. So with that said, if any of you out there uh, have worked on a fan film or have your own, feel free to send us a link or send us the file to cultandclassicpodcast at gmail.com and I'd be happy for us to review it. So there's that. Now we're gonna go with I'm this. One of us. <laughs> Uh, Jeff, Jeff <laughs> Tucker, who would you recommend Mega Man to if you would recommend it and why? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, if, if you uh, grew up playing Mega Man and you loved it, I mean, this does, you know, I guess expand on these characters. It is super true to the, to like the, the, the original game, you know, you got all the original like bosses. I think the, the only thing that they didn't have in there was like one like kind of cpu boss um like even the yellow devil like comes in yeah, a little like that's blocks, right um, which is cool which was which was like very uh, reminiscent of the uh, the actual gameplay um because the the character the or the yellow devil basically turns into little yellow bricks and like shoots himself and like rebuilds himself on the other side of the screen and you gotta dodge the bricks and then you get to hit him but anyways, it's like it's very uh, it's like very very similar. Like they really get into like the weakness, like the rock paper scissors element of um, 
the bosses like you know you beat he beats gutsman with a bomb because like that's like gutsman's weakness um uh, even though in the actual game gutsman is pretty easy to beat with just the blaster but you know whatever um strategy guide by jeff tucker <laughs> yeah, yeah but anyways i mean it it really is like true to it uh you know you gotta you gotta suffer through some kind of boring uh character work um and but yes it's it it is it is fun and wiley's fucking a blast so he's a blast i just i just want to see his reel like just give me a reel dave malbeck uh i'm too lazy to go to go youtube it it's probably there uh greg greg johnson video game reviewer friend of the pod who would you recommend Mega Man to if you would recommend it and why um i'd recommend to someone that's wanting to watch astro boy but you're already drunk and you're like, you know what? I just want something that I can kind of slowly slip into unconsciousness with and just, I won't miss much of the plot. I can wake up halfway through and we're finally just getting started. That is, that is very fair. And here's the thing, as a Mega Man fan, I can honestly say if you are a big Mega Man fan, especially the original series before X, um, although that's sort of implied some places too, uh, watch it. I think just right. I think it does give a fun little expansion of it. I don't think that the character work is so long that you can't wait until the next fight scene that you can't make it through. Uh, at an hour and a half, it's a fine length. Um, it could have been a little shorter, but that's fine. Um, and I actually think that I usually say watch this if you're interested in becoming a new filmmaker. This one is probably actually a little bit out of the realm of achievability for most indie first-time filmmakers. There's, there's money behind this one a little bit. Not a lot but enough to set it apart. Um, so I don't know that that's worth it for you, but if, if Mega Man's interesting, also, if you have kids and you're a Mega Man fan, watch it. I'm sure they'll like some parts. They might be a little bored during the character work, but they're gonna, gonna like the, you know, if they watch Power Rangers, any of the series, then put on this. It might become their new favorite go-to because it's not obtrusive. It can be in the background and you're not gonna probably, you know, uh, blow your brains out listening to uh, Adina Menzel on Frozen yet again uh, and again. And again, although she's a fantastic vocalist, uh, that's the one good song. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you for being here, Greg. Thank you, Jeff Tucker. Uh, I'm, as always, thanks to the Chud for our intro and outro music. All of the uh, audio clips herein are the properties of You Got Me, because normally it's the properties of the filmmakers. But in this case, uh, the filmmakers do not own the properties on which they are basing their work on. So it probably goes back to the character and franchise owners, Nintendo and Capcom. Thank you guys so much. Visit us at coltonclassicpodcast.com. Remember to uh, donate if you want to see more. Also really important, please, 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 and I'm saying this without the chud in the background for good reason, review us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review. It helps us and we love you guys. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.